following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode of the Kick Pod, the Kick Pod Dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I am your host, TJ Williams, fourth degree black belt in the Chuck Norris system. system. Give you the insider of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts based subjects, and highlighting individuals involved in martial arts past, present, and future. So, for those who just joined me for the first time, this is a pre recorded episode. So, whatever I talk about in this episode, it's either coming up or it's already passed. And which is, uh, I just say that we are finally in May. So we're finally completing the first week of May. So hopefully the weather gets a little nicer. And of course, there's no rain, no uh, snow. Well, I better not jinx it. So, but we're just getting, getting good weather so far. And also <laughs> for for those who um, followed the um, Punch Kick um, Choke Chat um, podcast, I was a guest on there last week. Uh, so if you haven't seen the episode, it is on their YouTube channel as of right now. So I'm episode 99. So you get the get the insider of my um, pretty much other than my martial arts background, but also other things in my life outside of martial arts. Uh, so, well, I got myself a guest who happens to be a podcaster as well, but she is more than that. Uh, she's, of course, uh, she has uh, 33 years of experience as a life coach. A certified sound healer and let's see if I can say this right. A Reiki um, practitioner. Reiki, yep. Re- yep. Re- Reiki. All right. Reiki. All right. And here's a plus a professional kickboxer and uh, boxer. And she was a former member of the U.S. Um, kickboxing team, as well as a former fighter of um, the Chuck Norris World Combat League for um, Team New England. Uh, she's also a martial arts Hall of Famer. And lastly, she's a celebrity fitness trainer. So I'd like to introduce everybody to um, Christina. Um, <clears throat> and I'm getting cough. Uh, Chris- Christina Rondo. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's always excitement. Hey. <laughs> hey, so she decided to come on the show and um and I'm really grateful because I caught her on another show um this last Sunday and I guess she saw my comment and say that um I was wanting her to be on my show. So presto, I got her. <laughs> we make things happen, TJ. We make things happen. Hey, <laughs> right. how we doing? I'm doing awesome. Great, great day. Nice meeting you. Nice being on here. Hey, so pretty much this is how I played out this podcast. So we're going to, um, you're going to take us on a trip from back to your, um, how things were years ago. And like, pretty much you're taking us in the past. Like we're going to time machine. So the, of course the first, okay. Point, so, okay. So the first question would be, how would you describe yourself before martial arts? And what was your push getting into martial arts? Great question. So before martial arts, I was definitely an athlete. Um, I was in high school and I was playing softball, track, cross country, baseball, you named it. And uh, in my senior year of high school, I got bullied by a girl pretty bad. 
Um, she harassed me, would stand outside the classroom like this, giving me the stare down, um, threatened to constantly beat me up. So I was really afraid of two things. One, being shamed and embarrassed in front of all my friends. And two, physically being beat up. I did not know how it felt to ever get beat up. And I didn't want to find out. Um, and she really put so much stress and anxiety on me. I found myself um, like leaving my classes to the next class so she couldn't find me in the hallway. And one day I left class early and she was waiting for me. And she grabbed me and put me up against the locker and held me up there and shook me and the bell rang and all the friends came out and exactly what I didn't want to happen happened. And she just had no reason not to like me. She just targeted me. Um, so I left school and I went and parked my car in a cemetery and I was just sitting there. We had had a friend die in a car accident uh, not too long before that. So I just felt like I needed to sit there and kind of be spiritual. And while I was sitting there, I had this epiphany and I was like, you know, there was part of me that was just like, oh my God, it's easier just to like, I've never wanted to hurt myself or kill myself, but it was a moment where I was like, I don't even want to live anymore. But I didn't really feel that way. So I was sitting there like, you know, I really don't want to not live because of this one girl. I love my life. I love my mom, my grandma, my sister, my brother. Like, why do I want this girl to take all my life away? Like, like, let me face what's what I'm afraid of. And I had this epiphany that I just needed to learn how to fight. So next time she put her hands on me, I would just throw down and know how to take her out myself. And um, just, of course, when you invite things in, the universe listens. And the next day I was at softball practice and we were screwing around and a girl swept me and she kind of did a hip check and took me down with a leg sweep. And I was like, how'd you do that? And she's like, oh, don't tell anybody. I take karate lessons. And I was like, oh, okay. So she said, I'm going to give you a pass. So I went to this martial arts school and it was a Kempo karate. And um, I took a lesson and I loved it. They put the gi on me and the white belt. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to kick some butt. And um, the rest is history. <laughs> so I started taking uh, classes and I did sport karate and started entering tournaments and I loved point fighting and I did a scream of sticks and I loved the hard traditional katas and I did the bow staff and just loved it. And I just kept growing with the sport. And then somebody, I, I started to get, keep getting disqualified at point tournaments. So I was always getting disqualified for excessive contact. So a coach uh, came up to me once and he said, Hey, I represent uh, Waka Waco. And um, he said, you know, it's the World Association Kickboxing Organization. And he said, why don't you come and try the continuous fighting division? You won't get disqualified. You can hit a little harder, follow up a little more. So I was like, oh, all right. So I went and I got my butt kicked. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a little different from point karate. And I decided to get myself a kickboxing coach. And that's kind of how I evolved from sport karate into kickboxing. So I left the point karate. Well, it didn't really leave it, but like I still had my instructor, but I needed a kickboxing coach and I decided to grab a boxing coach while I was at it. So if I was going to do this, I was going to do this with the best and I was going to do it 100% right. So I live in Rhode Island and the best boxing and kickboxing coaches at the time there were Peter Manfredo and Charlie Sampalis. And I went to them and then as I seeked professional, somebody, you know, approached me eventually after my amateur career 
And they said, let's do professional kickboxing. We want to turn you pro. We got a big fight for you. You draw a lot of attention. My school was growing. I had hundreds and hundreds of students. And uh, I made the switch to pro. And then I went out and seeked some of the best female kickboxers in the world. And I trained for a couple of weeks with each of them as well. So that's kind of, that's the time, a little bit of the time machine there. Oh, yeah. It's like you talk about that moment that you were like bullied by this one girl. And, you know, it kind of gave you that push to say, I have to defend myself or, I mean, I'm not going to be able to be confident at all. I mean, that's usually how students are when they come to martial arts um, classes. They, they're they using the subject of bu- being bullied and, you know, being, me being an instructor, you know, I was a subject of bullying. So, of course, uh, people like like to bully on me, like even not even kids, but even adults. But, you know, but yeah, it's right. like. It's like you have to have some type of push saying that um, I don't want this to happen to me anymore. So it's great that you picked up on actually starting martial arts and actually kind of evolving into like uh, other things like, of course, yeah, sport karate. Yeah, no, I still like to compete, too. But, yeah, I know it's like tournaments. are Yeah, tournaments are starting to get back into like uh, in the place since COVID. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a. I yeah. haven't competed in a while. Um, I train amateur fighters. So I train amateur fighters in kickboxing. I kind of retired from the ring a few years. I retired actually at an older age too. I retired from the fighting pro at like 35, which is a little bit older. So it's been about, God, I can't even age myself here, but it's been it's been about over 10 years since I retired from the ring. Hey. Oh, I know you um... I had um Kathy Long on the show um a while back. Of course, she's like the previous uh, record holder. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. You had to run with her um in um during your amateur or during your professional um career. Yeah, so I always definitely looked up to Kathy Long. And remember, we're going back into the day before we had we didn't have social media and Facebook and phones. So like to even find fights on TV for kickbox is like impossible, you know? Like you didn't, we didn't have access like we had now, but I knew of Kathy Long. Um, I had read about her in magazines and I actually seeked her out in uh, Pasadena and went and trained for her, with her for like a week. I speak with Willie Akides. She did pass away uh, back in the day, um, but that was Jenny, um, what was it? Benny, Benny the Jet's sister. And he was a famous kickboxer. And I trained with Lily for a couple classes. And then I went to Florida and uh, found Bonnie Canino. So I found some of the greatest female fighters to go to go learn and train from. I mean, if I was turning pro, I wanted to learn from these women who already paved the way. Yeah, I pretty much know how that is. I mean, I just went to like a almost like almost a, a karate festival or a martial arts festival like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we had like eight martial artists there like teaching a sample of their martial arts style, at least 30, 30 minutes of that. And now I'm getting like a little bit piece by piece of different martial arts style and especially with Kempo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like looking at two instructors that did Kempo. Like one of them was like aggressive and other one was like pretty much soft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you know, I always tell people you can, the best teacher makes the best student. So you can always learn you can always continue to grow and educate and learn. And I always took what I liked from one instructor and threw it in my back pocket. And then if I learned something from another instructor, I took what I liked best from them, put it in my back pocket. And then when I go back to my training, I put everything all together and what works for me in my body. 
And that's how you become the best, the best that you can be as a fighter or a teacher or just martial artist in general. Yeah, I think Bruce Lee pretty much uh hmm, where'd she go? Hmm. Uh well, ladies and gentlemen, I just lost my guess. Uh oh, there she goes. Uh Oh, oh, there she's. Oh, she's back. Oh, yeah, kind of cut off there a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know technology is pretty much messed up a little bit, but yeah, we're back on there. (laughs) I know. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) Mind of its its own. (laughs) Yeah. So, always have my (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, uh, I think uh, with the way you said it, like Bruce Lee kind of said the same thing uh, the usefulness of the cup is its emptiness. So, of course, in your case, the usefulness usefulness of the pocket is its emptiness. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, uh, of course, uh, can you remember your your first lesson in um, martial arts, like your very first lesson when you started? Boy, my first lesson, I remember, I remember just learning how to, just how to hold my hand to throw a basic punch, you know, learning to take my, my thumb over my fingers. I didn't really know how to punch, or I didn't know how to use a palm or an elbow. Didn't really know that and know the proper way to not lock your elbow when you punch, keep it slightly bent. There were so many things I learned in that first lesson, and that's what intrigued me, and that's what, like, just motivated me want to go back I was like oh my god I don't this is amazing like I can learn how to use my body as a weapon this is awesome so I just felt very empowered by the by knowing that I could use my body as a weapon I could just protect myself just with my own body and that's what that's what fueled me you know with those lessons yeah I mean it's always great to always remember your first lesson right up to like where you're at now so like for me, I can remember, always remember my first yeah. lesson. I mean, starting like a day before my um, 11th birthday. Yeah, and I think I started when I, I had a cold, like not a bad cold, but yeah, just enough where I could still train. But it was just like the, yeah. I didn't even get my full gi yet. I just, I was pretty much a, a short, <laughs> sleeve, short sleeve shirt and a sweatpants. So that was, that's oh my how God. I was. So to say that. I do, I remember thinking I was like, coolest like chick there was because I had bought a pair of sweatpants that said buddy down the leg and I would wear them everywhere. <laughs> I was like so proud to wear those sweatpants. I wore them to all my softball practices. I wore them out with my family. Oh my God. I thought I was like the coolest thing. It was funny. That's funny. Those sweatpants. I remember those sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so, of course, your mindset after that first class was, yeah, you wanted to um, learn more. So, of course, uh, you got into sport. Yeah. What would you say? Uh, what was your favorite kata to do? Jeez, I, I, I just like the basic, like number one kata, learning it, moving it. It was hard moves, just the basic kicks, but it was so pretty. It was so profound, and with the strong key eyes. You know? Yeah, I always trade my shoes. I always tell them like the last like the last move of like a certain set is like the Kia. So you gotta remember that you gotta make sure you do the move and the Kia at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So that pretty much makes your move yeah. really, really Both powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. 
yeah, I see you're in like uh you got uh your uh fifth degree master. So is this that in Kempo? Yes, it's in Kempo. Okay, yeah. So of course I'm of course going for my um fifth degree in the Chuck Norris system. So well definitely for me, I'm just getting promoted. What all I gotta do is do a two minute performance and then I go up on stage to get my um black jacket put on by Grandmaster Norris. So yeah, Grandmaster Chuck Norris. So I'm excited for that about that. Yes. Yeah, another two months. That's super exciting. When is that? Two months. Yeah, so roughly. Oh, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, so roughly July 6th, that's when the winter psalm ceremony is going to be. So, yep. Oh, oh that's, so, that's something to be super proud of. That's oh, yeah. I've been looking at these um, some induction ceremonies for like for years. And that's like I was saying, one day I want to be on that stage. But yet here I am two months away and I'm, yeah. I'm on, get, going to be on that stage. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. All right. What would you say your favorite moment in uh, martial arts would be like, other than like, other than you could say in class or in competition, what would you say your favorite moment would be? Um. Well, I think my favorite moment is when I win a fight. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. all that hard work, all the stress, all the anxiety, everything just comes to the head. And then, you work, you know, you you work so hard in that fight, and then at the end, when you win and they put that arm up, that's my favorite moment. Because my saying is, you have the power to create the life that you want. And for me, in that moment when I won my first fight and they would bring my arm up, I was like, man, we got the power to create the life we want. With practice, determination, perseverance, motivation. You know, you can you can create your life. You can create the athlete you want to be. It just takes patience, and time, and practice. You know. Yeah, that's the same thing I tell my students. Like when they're training, it's like you don't get your belt within a month. You know, you have to train and hard, long and hard, and you got to be patient with um your um progress. Yeah. yeah, they have the power. It's it's their responsibility. They can do it. They put in the practice and do it right. You can achieve anything. Yep, exactly. Hey. All right. Can you describe your first black belt test? Like really your first degree black belt test? Yeah, wow, that's a good question. Um, I remember it being very long. <laughs> very long. Um it was definitely a test of mental endurance because they really busted your chops a lot. I think things have changed a little bit. And uh, the martial arts with some schools, I know myself, I've become softer in the 33 years than the way I tested people 20 years ago. But um, for my black belt test, they busted my chops a lot. I remember having to put my arms out and hold the bow staff for 30 minutes. And if the bow stop staff dropped, they would start the clock all over. So you couldn't flinch. You couldn't move. You had to be in a horse stance holding the bow staff arms out. It was awful. I just, uh-huh. I just remember it. I remember... I remember at that point of my test, I was done. I wanted to give up and I wanted to leave. And I was like, I had to get in my head and really tell myself that, like, don't let them break you. Do not let them. That's what they're trying to do. Don't let them break you. So I do remember that. I remember it being, I was very, very proud to achieve my my uh, rank. And um, we did a lot of sparring. They, they really pushed me with sparring, all the katas, tons of self-defense moves. Um, you know, we had names and numbers for all our self-defense. So 
you know, it'd be like, okay, you know, number one, number two, all the way up to number 50 or whatever it was, you know? Yeah, it kind of sounded like my like like my last black belt test. I mean, they wasn't going to give me a break. I mean, especially if that was like the last physical test I did. And, you know, with that being the last physical test, you know, they're not going to like hope. Well, they're not going to um, be soft on you. So, yeah. So I know the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah, but definitely that the first degree test was probably like my best moment. Of course, that was like the I get my first degree, you know, other than getting like my first degree, you no, know, I end up getting like my pants stripped and a biggest cramp. <laughs> oh, cramps during testing is huge. I, I see a lot with my students when they do, we call it level seven. So it's their brown belt test. Um, and when they when they go for their brown belt test, that's their longest test. So it's about a six hour test to eight hours. Ooh. And uh, people get so many cramps, it's bad. And, and I prepare them. I teach them how to hydrate before and whatnot, uh, potassium, magnesium. And we really do educate them about how to avoid those cramps. But man, a lot of people get them still. It's crazy. That's sodium too. The minute your oh. body uses all the salt in the body, you know? Yeah, electrolytes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know going through my like third degree uh, pre-test as well as my fourth degree pre-test, you know, I was pretty much wiped out after the test because um, I was like so low on energy as you know that was just basic basic endurance you know and you know I was like so prepared for everything the techniques everything that was on the required for the test I was prepared for that but nevertheless I wasn't prepared like endurance wise so that's pretty much how how I end up failing though my um pre-test but you know I kind of got back and just did the the pre-test again and just passed and you know, just prepare for the actual test. Yeah. So wow. I mean, I always tell these uh, kids, like my, my students, like what the wars I've been through. So this is basically if you've been through a yeah. black belt test, plenty of them, it's it's like war. So you they right. you're just giving them a preview. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you can relate. You've been through it, you've done this yourself. So when you can relate and your students understand you've walked in those shoes, they can learn a lot from you, you know. <sighs> Uh, definitely you know definitely i don't want these uh, kids to quit because they think it's too hard for them to even um move forward yeah 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 that's the thing i just don't want to give away belts neither i mean i want them to earn it so i want them to show me how well they're improving mm-hmm. i make sure when i test people we don't give them away either they have to earn those belts hey uh, most definitely so we have to at least teach the kids like you know you have to earn it you have to sweat you have to get cramps you have to probably cross, toss your grits a little bit but you know yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like in those days blood sweat and tears oh uh, yeah mm, well not a lot of blood nowadays but just like sweat and tears all right let's kind of get into your kickboxing um, background so like how many uh, professional fights you have, have had since before you retired um, so I had seven professional fights. So I've had like over 25 amateur and then I made the switch to boxing. So I only had a couple of pro boxing fights. I just didn't care for it. I really, really love kicking. <laughs> so I, um, started with the, I did the kickboxing pro. Then they were like, you'll make more money doing pro boxing. So went to pro boxing, then went back to pro kickboxing because I just did not really care for the boxing. Um, I just prefer the feet. So 
went back to, you know, pro kickboxing and then did a couple. I did a pay-per-view fight. Don the Dragon Wilson was the main event. And then I was the female main event. That was pretty awesome. That was at Lowell Arena up in Massachusetts. And it was on pay-per-view. That was great. And then there was um, in Worcester, there was a place called the Worcester Palladium. So I had a couple of fights over there, too. Um, and then there was uh, World Combat League. So then World Combat League picked me up and then I did the Team New England. And at that point, my um, gym was really growing. And I had two small children at the time at being a single mom with two small children running the gym, training pro for a fight. I kind of was tapped. So I was 35 by the time I hit World Combat League, fought for them. And to be honest with you, the pay for a female fighter was not enough to it wasn't even enough to pay the training bills that it costs just to train for the fight. So it wasn't worth for me financially to keep beating my body up and literally burning myself out at, you know, both ends just to train for the fights. And that's kind of why I stepped away and took, you know, retired from the ring at that point. So of course you weren't up for no championship um, title, title by bouts. I have a, I have two, I have the USKBA um, light middleweight champion belt. So I ended with the USKBA. And then I did get the um, International Kickboxing Federation, the IKF. They ended up giving me a belt after a fight kind of went weird. Um, somebody kind of paid off a judge for somebody. The entire arena saw the win uh, be taken from me. And then they sent me a letter basically you know, apologizing and saying that, you know, they knew what happened, but it was too late when you don't, when you don't win a fight in front of a, a crowd, it's, you know, where's the yeah. glory really, <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's a little too late. Yeah. Uh, somebody paid off the, you know, the, the judge and it all came out after. And that was a turn off for me too, because I was like, man, you can't, you like, you're in the, I even took the girl down, knocked her down out cold and won every round clear as day. And, um, she got back up for a standing TKO and they still gave her the, the fight and the whole arena up. It erupted, erupted. It was crazy because literally everybody there saw who it was very clear that I won. So, and then a week later, she actually uh, came to some amateur fights that my coach was holding. And uh, it came out then that her, uh, her dad actually paid off the judges <laughs> oh boy mm -mm. Yeah. so it was a turn off for me you know i was like oh, you just can't you can't be can't be politics sometimes no matter uh, what you do you know yeah. kind of sad very sad yeah it kind of feels like my world of professional wrestling i mean mostly i know they call it fake but no yeah. but uh, well, of course with the experience i've been through i mean of course i'm still recovering yeah. recover from knee injuries so yeah I mean, that's probably my first injury I had for for nine years. I've been in pro, like pro wrestling, but yeah, I know how it's yep. like. But we kind of call it kayfabe, you know. If the like somebody pays off the referee or pays off the owner to have you lose a match, I mean that'd be like yeah. kayfabe. So, yeah, but never, yep. but nevertheless, you yeah, you know, it's like politics. You know, you pay people off okay. to get your way. So yeah, <laughs> you work too. You work too hard for this. To have it taken away from you. Yeah, kind of like that Cobra Kai moment. <laughs> yeah, season four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every every situation has a little silverman in there or silvers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
<laughs> All right, so oh, I want to talk about that World Combat League with um, Chuck Norris or because I, I haven't actually seen that fight uh, before, but I know I heard about it all the time from my instructor. Of course, my instructor is very close with um, Grandmaster Norris, uh, Chuck Norris. So, yeah. So tell us about that, like that experience. So that was pretty exciting. His brother, Mike Norris, actually um, is the one who reached out to me and asked me, you know, made me the offer to be on Team New England. I, I jumped at it, took it right away. And uh, they came out to my gym. So I got to meet his brother and he hung out at my gym for a little bit in Rhode Island. And um, it was fun. It was really fun. They, you know, we had the uniforms and the rules were non-stop fighting. And they had it in like a concave round ring. So it was clear. So everybody could see there's no ropes in the ring. And um, non-stop. You'd lose a point if you, you weren't, if you weren't throwing for more than, uh, I think it was, Three seconds, if I remember right, you had three seconds to throw. So you could only not throw for three seconds. They wanted action, action. And then you got a bonus if you knocked somebody out. And if you knocked them out with a kick, you got more of a bonus. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting. So like I said, I had the one fight with them. I did win my fights. Um, Our team lost to Philly that day, but I did win my fights. So I was very happy about that. And, uh, it was awesome. It was at Mohegan Sun Casino. And I mean, we must have filled that casino with, I mean, that casino was packed to capacity. And we even had some Greyhound buses that um, had packed people up, all my fans, and brought them up there. So we we sold thousands and thousands of dollars worth of tickets. I had so many people there. So it was super exciting. And it was a nice way for me to end my fighting career as a pro. Oh, amazing. So I guess it's like five people to a team, correct? Yeah. Yep. So there was, uh, well, it was, I, was it five people, uh, five guys, one girl, six to a team. So five guys, one girl. Okay. Yep. And um, well, they had offered my sister, uh, they needed somebody to wipe the blood on the mat in between fights if there was blood. <laughs> so my they offered um, the job to my sister at the gym one day. They were like, hey, do you want to do it? You get to sit near Chuck Norris. So they put her like right behind him and stuff. And um, she was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I want to sit near Chuck Norris. So she thought that was the coolest thing. And um, I had knocked the tooth out of the girl that I fought. And uh, her tooth was on the mat. So my sister wiped it and had the tooth. Oh. <laughs> oh. So we laugh about it to this day. We laugh about it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know where that tooth went, though. I don't know if we, I don't remember my sister saving it for a little while. And it was, a, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. The tooth fairy must've got it. <laughs> tooth fairy must've got the tooth. I said, give it back to the girl. <laughs> back to my fighter. Yeah. It's hers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, that'd yeah. Be, that'd so be a lot of money. It was, it was yeah. Yeah. That'd be a lot of money in the dental bill. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So who would you say you look up to during your journey? During my journey, um, I really didn't have anybody specific that I, that I looked up to, um, which was interesting because I, I was searching for that. I really wanted a role model. I really wanted somebody, you know, that pioneered, but I, I really didn't, didn't have anybody. I, um, 
you know, my biggest supporter in my life was like, you know, my parents and my grandma. And I'd have to say like my family had so much support for me. So that like really, that was something that I looked up to, like the love and support I got from like the family and the friends. But it, there was never one person that I had. So, yeah, it's always great to have your family and your corner, especially when you're go- going like you're being successful, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, I know, of course, when I go to Vegas for my big moment, you know, I got my father coming with me. So, yeah. yeah oh, wanna, good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to at least share this moment, at least have somebody there sharing this moment with me. So I'm definitely excited for that to have them see me uh, boost, go to my next level. Yeah, absolutely. That's certainly such an achievement. Oh, that's definitely, you know, I'm kind of getting, I'm way too excited. I mean, I wanted to come now. I mean, I had to wait two more months. (laughs) Uh, I know. Yeah, kind of bummer, but, you know, time's going by fast anyway, so, yeah. I mean, we already finished the first week of May, so, I mean. It'll be here for you. (laughs) All right, so, what would you say, what inspirational quote best describes your journey uh i'm gonna say it's it's the quote i came up with because it's it's you have the power to create the life you want um the word that describes my journey the best i have one word and it's perseverance perseverance oh yeah definitely a big word first of all one one word is perseverance how would yeah, you never, never give up attitude, just persevere, never push through no matter what comes at you, never give up, never let somebody beat you down. Like my bully, don't let anybody else take your power away because you have the power to create the life you want. And that's where I came up with my own, you know, my saying. And I just said that to so many people along the journey as they entered as a student to me. And I just kept telling them that, like, you have the power to create the life you want. Persevere, push through, never give up attitude, positive mental attitude every single day. Yeah. And I always say this to my student. It's always best to humble yourself and be exalted after than exalting yourself and being humbled after. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So I always teach my students always being humble and not always exalting yourself. I mean, it's great that you feel good at you about yourself but you know just kind of keep it to yourself and then of course other people will notice it yeah yep hey all right ladies and gentlemen we have reached our uh hidden dojo um segment of our uh of our podcast so of course i'm gonna ask uh christina seven questions that uh are well this is a fun question this is the fun part we're gonna learn about christina so are you ready for this Uh, all right. First question. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you ever gotten and who said it? Uh, best piece of advice I ever gotten was uh, from my father. And he, um, he just basically said, you know, he came from a, a, a very poor family who had nothing and held him back and basically you know, he escaped that life and gave us a great life. And he basically said, don't, you know, don't let any, anybody ever hold you back. Don't let anything hold you back. You know, you can achieve whatever you need to achieve. Just keep, keep moving forward. Keep looking forward. Yes. So definitely 
it's always best to pick your friends um by like uh carefully so would you what would you say yeah yeah that's that's a, that's a that's good stuff yep yeah, because I know it's like, you know, if, if you've got that one friend that doesn't like respect your journey, I mean, is that person a real friend? Probably not. Right. And they, and they can hold you back. If they're putting negativity in your life. I can, they can definitely hold you back. It's not a good thing. You've got to get rid of all negative people. Any resistance, anybody who's putting resistance in your life, they it's important to release resistance. And keeping them way over here, then that's what you got to do. Uh, most definitely. Uh, all right. The worst advice you've ever gotten. Yep. <laughs> the worst advice I've ever gotten. Um, I've heard people say, you can't do that. You can't, you can't be pro. How are you going to go fight pro? How are you going to train with, with two kids at home? That's the worst advice. Cause I proved them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Usually, well, usually when I tell uh, my students, don't say the word can't. Hey, Cause we, we kind of, we kind of call that a uh, right. bad, bad word in our um, dojo. Hey, don't say the word can't. That's you can. Word. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. I mean, you see what I've been through. I mean, I've been through like 26 years of martial arts and you know, I'm still here. I mean, I'm I, I can still do things that I've done when I was, when I started out. So, uh, so the word can't doesn't belong in the studio. That's right. I agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, how how do you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. <laughs> oh, I like ice cream. So I reward myself for working hard, working out with ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your favorite flavor? Oh, you know, I go for a Dairy Queen Blizzard. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yep. Oreo. So you can dairy cream with some Oreo in it, a little caramel, a little fudge, Reese's peanut butter cup. That's it. It's my guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's an Oreo. That's going to be always the, my favorite blizzard. Yep. There you go. <laughs> well, if I can't get a blizzard, I'll make my own. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in? Oh, uh, you know, I loved J-Lo in the movie Enough. That is a good movie. And I would love to be in a fight scene. I would love to beat the crap out of a predator in a fight scene. Um, I actually was going to be, if you ever heard of Black Hawk Walters, he's a kickboxing champion. He's from Utah, in California, Utah area. Um, And he's amazing. And before COVID, he actually had a role for me in his movie. And then COVID hit and they, you know, turned off the production of the movie. And um, he kind of went, uh, went missing. Nobody's kind of heard from him. Mm. So uh, I like nobody's heard from him. So I don't know if he just kind of took COVID as a chance to be silent and go live in peace or just change his life, whatever it was. Um, but nobody's heard from him. And that was the end of it. So I have I had a chance to be in something. But I'll tell you, I was in some music videos. And I played, you know, a fighter in the music videos. And it was so much fun. And I really would love to do that again. So going forward in my future, I'm going to look for some roles to play and to do some movie stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky to be in a local um, film. I mean, mostly uh, it was just like a wrestling-based movie. 
and that was in a couple of scenes. So, I mean, that's it's fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just awesome. just seeing myself on the film. It's like, um, why am I in Hollywood right now? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what your what would you say your hidden talent would be? My hidden talent. Well, if I tell you it's not hidden, then right. Oh. <laughs> um, I think I have a hidden talent with mountain biking. <laughs> so I love to go mountain biking with my sister and brother, and we go up into Vermont and we do some really cool mountain biking, and we're we're all really good at it. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm a little more careful now, but. Oh, we've been mountain biking for like the last 20 years. I've never competed or anything, but man, did I, I really enjoy the sport. I really enjoy mountain biking. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I do mountain biking. I mean, all those hills and all that all pushing. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that would probably be my um, I have written a bunch of books, so that's not hidden because I have as well. Um, I was using a pen name for my novel. Uh, I go by author River Stone, but the next edition of my novel, I'm going to get rid of the pen name and we're just going to keep it to my name because um, I'm just, my name is so branded that it would be silly for me to not connect it to my name. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I've been probably reading a lot of books right now. I mean, I'm still trying to finish the Ninja Daughter. Uh, so that was like uh, one book um, from one of my guests uh, yeah, from California. Nice. Yeah. All right. Dream Celebrity Counter. Dream Celebrity Counter. I think, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with J-Lo for that one, too. I'm a big fan of J-Lo. I love love her acting skills. I love all her movies. They're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, have you trained J-Lo? No. You know what's really funny? Um, when she was training for the movie Enough, I was actually at the LA Training Center and um, I was being certified Krav Maga certification. So I went there to, to take my test and learn. And she was in the next room learning uh, her skills for the movie Enough that came out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I have trained a bunch of like little celebrities in New England, like and I do have one, um, I have one pretty big name ce- celebrity from Hollywood, but they don't let me release her name. I wasn't ever allowed to, to release who she was, but I have trained some pretty decent people through my career. Um, a lot of different newscasters in Rhode Island that are very well known. There's been some, a lot of little B uh, actresses, you know, so it's been fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. Ten years from now, where do you see yourself? Um, I have a movie script that's in the process. So 10 years from now, I see my script on the big screen being streamed through all these services out there and probably playing that small role that I want to put myself in my own movie. (laughs) So that's kind of my biggest goal is getting script out there. That's my next, that's next on the charts. Um, I have some franchises. uh, Well, they're more like licensees. So I have a thing called, um, my one of my circuit trainings is called Fight Club, 10-round circuit training. 
So I do see that happening in the next 10 years. I'm selling licenses to people. Um, I don't want to do it as a franchise because franchise has way too much control. So with licenses, my licensees will have a ton of control of their facility. And we're going to give them uh, options and control. It's a super small investment. So if anybody wants to have their own, you know, fight club, they can contact me. Yeah, amazing. Hey, any last minute words before we cut out? No, I think it's important for people to really remember what I always say. You have the power to create the life you want. Don't let anybody hold you back. Get rid of anything negative in your life and just keep moving forward. Put your mind to it. You can do it. You know, and what you give out comes back to you three times. So if you're kind and you're positive, you're going to receive that in your life and you wrap that in your life. Amazing. Hey, so uh, thank you very much for joining me on my podcast. So I'm going to cut, uh, say the final word before we cut out. So for those who are just joining me for the first You're time. Welcome. Yeah. So for those who are joining me for the first time, this is a, uh, you can check out my previous episodes on the BIC, BPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another episode here at the Kick Pod. This is your host, TJ William. Bye.